Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jackie T, writer and romantic. Welcome to Chapter 4 of the A Romantic in Kansas Special Features. With each chapter, I present a select feature subject and celebrate stories and fun facts around it. The select subjects correspond with my arriving to Kansas and learning about the Sunflower State. For this feature, Wines in Kansas. Oh yes, Kansas has its own place on the United States wine industry tableau. Upcoming in this episode, join me in a veritable wine tasting, celebrating wines in Kansas and the wine experience as a whole. Learn the story of Kansas wines and the grapes featured in them. Enjoy tips regarding tasting table etiquette and ways to enjoy wine in the summer. And oh yes, more. Each special feature includes an interview with one of our core sponsors. In this episode, I visit with Chris Tyler, owner and winemaker at Wheat State Wine Company in Winfield, Kansas, regarding his experience and knowledge behind Kansas wines. Ready? Here goes! Firstly, here's a vignette sharing how I got a little surprise when I first came to Kansas. I am a wine aficionada, that's female for aficionado, an avid enthusiast. I like to explore wines, try different wines, learn about wines. I appreciate wine etiquette and the experience of wine. During my years living in Chicago, wine was a cozy part of the shopping routine. I had a favorite wine shop, attended free tastings, and signed up for special event tastings to continue learning about wines. I had favorite wines that I picked up when at favorite grocery store wine sections. One of the first surprises as I began my writer in residence expedition to Kansas was, I could not get wines at grocery stores. The realization descended when I was at a chain store in the Kansas City area. This chain had stores that I had shopped up in Chicago. Yet here, in this store, where was the wine section? I was good at finding any section in a grocery store fast. It helped that I walked fast, carried a basket instead of pushing a cart. In normal situations, I'd have found that wine section lickety-split. Not this time. I relented and dashed to the customer service counter. Where's the wine section? I asked with a smile. Little did I know that in asking this question, I identified myself as an outsider, a gal not in the know. The lady at customer service received my inquiry with grace and familiarity to folks like me. There isn't one, she replied. She paused as I furrowed brow, like a comedian pauses for laughter. Then she clarified, Kansas state law bans wine sales in grocery stores. She watched my expression again. I can't remember exactly with what words I reacted, something like, you're kidding, right? Or what do you mean? Or a combination thereof. The customer service lady tried to offer consolation and pointed out that we were a mere three miles from the border to Missouri and that all I needed to do was cross it to be able to pluck wine selections at their chain store on the other side. She even pointed out the window behind her the direction I needed to go to cross the border. My gaze followed her direction. It began to sink in that not only in this store where I stood, yet all grocery stores in Kansas, I would not be able to pick up a bottle of wine. Boom! Culture shock! A veritable, you're not in Chicago anymore. This little piece in my shopping routine was removed, yanked away. Being near the border did not matter. I was only at this store today. The writer-in-residence schedule took me deeper into Kansas and further from the border. That said, being near or away from the border was a moot point. Why couldn't I, wherever I was, as a gal over 21, be able to pick up wine while picking up groceries? It wasn't the end of the world, I consoled myself as reality settled. And really, twasn't. I just did not know before today that there were lands in this U.S. of A. where this simple action is prohibited. I didn't realize how much comfort I took in including wine in my regular shopping routine. 
all these years, I didn't consider it a privilege nor a right. It just was. Well, it wasn't here. And I shortly found that native Kansans did not share my chagrin at all. They instead readily cited the same ban the customer service lady informed. Kansas law prohibits sale of wine in grocery stores. Folks also informed that this law was presently being challenged in legislature, yet liquor stores were fighting it because they wanted to maintain the lion's share in alcohol sales. This was a lesson in modern-day politics of libations, yet I was yet to learn that this and related politics were deep-rooted here in the Sunflower State, with strings yet connecting back to the Prohibition era, and that these strings pull at the Kansas wine industry to today, and that Kansas winemakers are meeting the challenge. Oh yes, I'll elaborate, yet first... Gotta love our sponsors, including the Grand Central Hotel. Grand Central Hotel is located just off National Scenic Byway 177 in Cottonwood Falls, the county seat of Chase County in the heart of the Flint Hills. Make reservations to dine in the hotel's Grand Grill restaurant to enjoy the best steaks in Kansas, all in a fine dining experience with a relaxed atmosphere. The hotel is a boutique hotel with a western flair. Overnight accommodations include elegant suites named for local historic ranches. For more information, visit GrandCentralHotel.com. Follow me on Facebook at All Romantic in Kansas. You will see the logo, a hand-drawn sunflower next to a heart. My exploring Kansas included exploring wines in Kansas. I tried wines from local regions and started conversations with winemakers. They, and other wine lovers I met, informed that Kansas was upon a time among the leading wine producers in the United States. Until, zap, the prohibition brought the wine industry in Kansas and across the U.S. to its knees. This was started per the Volstead Act that swept the United States prohibiting manufacture, sale, transport, import, or export of alcoholic beverages. The law went into effect in January 1920 and was repealed in December 1933. I had researched this while living in Chicago, writing my newspaper column, and also working on a novel that took place in that era. For this, I pointed research to the effects the prohibition took on everyday society and the bootlegging that rose to fulfill people's determination in the right to partake, and the organized crime that spawned among all this. I had not contemplated what it did to vintners and winemakers in the United States as really that early in the century I didn't consider wine production a big industry in the U.S. Yet now, in researching Kansas wine history, I realized it was. There were passionate vintners throughout the country growing grapes and making wines. Kansas was one of the stronghold regions, along with its neighboring state, Missouri. And then Kaboomba! The prohibition, with one big wallop, quashed these legitimate businesses. The owners were forced to cease production. The grapevines that they had so lovingly nurtured to harvest were set to desertion for 13 years. Yet wait, double Kaboomba to Kansas. It started its own prohibition in 1881, four decades before the national prohibition. To boot, whammo, it continued to be a dry state after the 1933 repeal. Kansas did not repeal prohibition statewide until 1948. This long stretch of time silenced generations of winemakers. Their knowledge and techniques, like their grapes, were left to die on the vine. 
Ah, yet contemporary generations took on the soil and planted more vines. Oh, so far behind in the United States wine industry, yet yearning to contribute from Kansas to the wine experience. I interview on the phone one of our core sponsors who has personal perspective on this. Listen in. I'm here with Chris Tyler, owner and winemaker of Wheat State Wine Company in Winfield, Kansas. Hello, Mr. Tyler. How are you today? Oh, not too bad. Okay. I am looking forward to talking about Kansas wines with you. Um, I was looking at your Facebook page, and I noticed that you mentioned terroir. (laughs) How would you define terroir? Well, terroir is a French term uh, that they came up with to talk about how the land and the soil that the grapes are grown in affects the wine. They think that the reason France makes such good wine is because of the types of soil that they grow in and the regions of Burgundy and Bordeaux and things like that. And I definitely think that that's true to some degree. What would you say is a terroir here in Kansas? Now, the Kansas terroir would be interesting to pinpoint because... There's a few different areas of the state that grow, and none of them are geographically that close to each other. Uh, There's the high plains in the west of the state, and they make some wine out there, but that's a lot different than the flat hills that they have here uh, on the eastern part of the state. But we're in a much warmer climate down here by Winfield than, let's say, another winery might be up by Topeka. Oh, okay. Geographically, the areas in Kansas are a lot broader than they are in other winemaking regions okay. throughout the world. Uh, we're located at the beginning of the Flint Hills, and since the Flint Hills have a bunch of limestone and we have pretty rocky soil and things, you definitely get those limestone-type flavors that come through into the wine, and it really impacts the flavor versus another growing site that might be on a really deep soil river bottom or something like that. Okay. I've been doing some research on wines in Kansas over the years, and Kansas has quite an interesting history. Now that we're in modern day, what would you say is the Kansas wine culture today? Uh, Yeah, Kansas has gone through some big ups and downs in the wine industry. People always talk about how before Prohibition, there used to be hundreds and hundreds of acres of grapes planted in Kansas. And when Prohibition came along, they bulldozed acres of vineyards and they pushed them up in the big piles and they burned all the vines. Ah, well. uh, so we've really kind of been slowly building back towards that. And I, I think when we started our winery about 10 years ago, there might have been maybe 20 or so operating wineries. And I think now we're up to three dozen or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that time, uh, I remember also back when we first started out, there were few and far between wineries making what I would call quality wine. Mm-hmm. You know, Kansas doesn't have a name for wine. Uh, but since we started in the industry, everybody has stepped up their game in winemaking quality. And the wines that are available now are much, much better than they were 10 years ago. I think the entire industry has really raised the bar and having more wineries now uh, making better wine is making the other wineries want to step up and make better wine too so we're still not where some of the surrounding states are you know missouri they've got like hundreds of wineries Mm -hmm. um, but but we're getting there yeah um one of my mantras is visit the wine home so kansas is starting to have some great wine homes i guess i could say again i mean after years and years and years kansas is coming back Um, using their terroir and presenting wines for people to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think that's great. Now, I'm surprised I have not heard this, that they actually destroyed the vines at the Prohibition time. Yep. They they just kind of came through. And I I haven't really read a lot of articles. I've seen some pictures of mounds of vines and people next to them. Oh, Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, they, uh, they were no longer making any wine, that's for sure. Okay. Out of those grapes. Okay. And what made you decide to start a winery? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, right when I graduated college, my parents had just purchased a farm to Winfield where I was born and raised. And we went out to look at it. 
And I thought, man, this looks like a place to grow grapes. It looks kind of like French wine country, kind of like Burgundy. And I thought, you know what, that'd be pretty neat to plant some grapes. And I'd always had a wine influence in my life. My older sister owned a restaurant in Phoenix, and their whole menu was based around their wine one, and it was called Cork. And then I had another uncle, and he's been collecting wine since the 70s and he'd always be bringing cases of wine to family Thanksgiving and Christmas. So after a couple of years of growing grapes, I thought, well, I'm going to grow grapes and be a grape grower or make some wine and mm-hmm. started down that road. And what were some of your biggest challenges, would you say? Well, there were lots of challenges. I'd never really done any farming before, so the first time we went to go get the tractor, actually I had to take an implement off. It took me like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm just to figure it out because I didn't have anybody there to show me what to do. So a lot of stuff was kind of just a learn-as-you-go type of thing. Mm-hmm. As well, didn't really know anything about making wine either. You know, you mm-hmm. only get one first impression with your customers. Mm-hmm. So we worked with a consultant from the St. Louis area who came down to show us the ropes in winemaking. Okay. When did you start Wheat State? Okay, so we planted our vines in 2008 and we started making wine in 2011. So Wow. And so what are some of your favorite things about being a winemaker? My favorite things about being a winemaker are probably all the the blending and the winemaking process. Mm -hmm. Uh, Crush days are a lot of fun when you bring the grapes in and you process them and you're pressing the whites and you're getting the juice. Um, And then clear at the other end of the spectrum, here in a week, we're going to be bottling all the wine that we made last fall. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of fun too because... You've been working with these wines all winter long, and we blend them into different varieties. And then now that it's nearly finished, to be able to put that in a bottle next week and have that finished product is a really nice sense of completion, I guess, from the beginning to the end. Great. Yes. And we're talking right now in mid-April. So you're yep. bo- you're about to bottle grapes that you harvested September, October? Yep. Yeah, we picked things on September and October this year. Okay, and then they've been aging in the meantime? Yep, and uh, we've aged them in stainless steel tanks, mm-hmm. and um, they're ready for the bottle. Okay, and let's talk about some of the wines that you offer. Could you give us some examples? Sure. Andy Horse was the very first wine that we ever made, and the very first time we tried it, I was just blown away with this great minerally flinty characteristic that we were getting out of the wine. and. It was a lot better than I expected for our very first one that we ever made. And I thought, man, this would be perfect to take on a picnic. And at the time, uh, my wife and I, we used to take bicycle picnics with our one-year-old daughter. And so we thought, picnic wine, let's put a bicycle on the label. And then so we started thinking of bicycle names. And Dandy Horse is a primitive type of a bicycle. So that's kind of how we came up with that one. Okay. Uh, Some other labels that we make, Flat Pick is a semi-sweet white. And it's got a guitar on the label. Uh, Winfield, Kansas is known for the Walnut Valley Festival, which happens the third weekend of September every year. And it's a very large bluegrass music festival. Probably have about fifteen to 20,000 people come over for that event. And so this is our tribute to the Walnut Valley Festival. Mm-hmm. Then we have our Redbud Rosé. We've got a lot of Redbud trees out at the winery, and it's actually the state tree of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a pink Redbud tree to go with our pink wine. Uh, another one of our flagship wines, Lawless, which is our dry red, that one's got an old cowboy six-shooter revolver on it. Uh, we've got our semi-sweet red, Dog Run Red, that was a tribute to my late English mastiff, Annie. She used to come out mm-hmm. to the vineyard with us and work in the Chamberson Vines and things like that. This is about a, uh, an ambulance going by over Yeah, here. I can oh, hear wow. it. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, making my dog howl in the backyard, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Dog Run Red has got my English mastiff, Annie, on it, and it's kind of an ode to her because when she'd come out, run around the vineyard when we were trimming around the vine up. We thought she needed her own wine. <laughs> um, ice wine is really cool. Not a lot of other people in Kansas making ice wine. Uh, ice wine is when you take grapes and you let them hang on the vines extra long and they sweeten up more than normal being out there extra long and then you wait until your first frost and then after the grapes are frozen, then you harvest them and when you go to press them, all the water is bound up in the ice. So the juice that you get coming out is super sweet, and it's really thick and syrupy, too, because it's so much sweeter. Mm. Okay. 
Okay. So you are, would you say, a seasoned winemaker? It sounds like you started out kind of learning by doing, and now you talk about these wines and how to make them and what to anticipate in the grapes and the winemaking. So Yeah, it's funny because now that I've been doing this for a few years, I know more than wine about the average customer does. But mm-hmm. I still feel like there's so much wine knowledge, nobody can ever know it all. Mm-hmm. And then I get around other people that know a lot about wine, like my sister and my uncle. We still talk with our consultant every now and then, and I'm like, man, you've got so much more than I do. So I guess mm-hmm. it's all just relative. You know, mm-hmm. you can't ever know it all. Oh, no. How do people get to your winery? We're located south of Wichita mm-hmm. uh, and south of Winfield as well. So if you're coming in from out of town and you're going to be anywhere in the near Wichita area, we're about an hour away. Mm-hmm. And US 77 comes down through Winfield and you just kind of pass on through town. And when you get about five miles south, you come to an industrial park. And there's a big sign that says winery, 6.8 miles this way. And you just turn left and you can't miss us. We're like one of the only things out there. So. Okay. So, and when people come to your winery, what may they look forward to? Yeah, we're open every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from noon to six. And we have wine tasting in the tasting room so people can come out and try our different wines. We have them for sale. We have lots of merchandise for sale. And then if people would like to know a little bit about the winemaking process, we're always more than happy to take them into the winery and show them the equipment and how it gets used. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you also have seasonal music events. May you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. We have this music series called Uncorked the Music. And this year we're doing about eight concerts throughout the summer. And they're either a Friday or Saturday evening. It just kind of depends on the date. We have a band, and we charge by the car load, so it's $20 a car, so it's really convenient for people to all pile in and get one great price to enter. We've got a lot of great regional touring bands on the bill, mm-hmm. and the shows are a lot of fun. We range anywhere between two to 400 people that attend them, and we always bring a food truck in, so mm-hmm. people have a food option as well, mm-hmm. and people are more than welcome to bring their own picnics. We have limited seating available, so bringing lawn chairs is always a good idea. And we just ask, you know, outside alcohol, we've got beer and wine for sale. So mm. they're a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like great fun. Now, where may people find your wines? Um, they definitely can find them at the winery. And where else mm-hmm. if they're looking for Wheat State Wine Company wine? One place to find them is on our website. There's a link on there that says buy. And we can sell online to most states, I think 34 different states, uh, definitely in Kansas. And then we sell in liquor stores in Kansas well. We've got a list of all of our vendors on our website under the Find tab, and we're really working on getting into more stores. So if anybody has any ideas of local liquor stores that you'd like to see or why not, shoot us an email and let us know and we'll see if we can't work that out. Okay. And for people looking for more information on Wheat State, what may they do? The best way to get a hold of us are through our website, wheatstateswineco.com, and our phone number is 620-229-9463, which is 229-WINE, mm-hmm. and uh, you can also find us on Facebook. We post a lot of relevant information there, too. So it's time for people to start exploring Kansas wines. Yeah, uh, if you're not going to try one of our wines, definitely try local wine. Yes, I would uh, do both. Check out those Kansas wines, absolutely. And Wheat State is a very wonderful part of the wine climate in Kansas. And Wheat State is a Romantic in Kansas sponsor. Thank you for that, too, helping us celebrate Kansas and this time celebrating wines in Kansas. Yeah, happy to do it. We're all for things Kansas, that's for sure. Coming up, tips for etiquette at the wine tasting table. Yet first, gotta love our sponsors, including the Kansas Bell Dinner Train in Baldwin City. All aboard the Kansas Bell Dinner Train. Enter the heyday of train travel Oh yes, be seated in a 1940s dining car ambiance. Behold entertainment reflective of the era. For example, live music or audience participation shows like murder mysteries and melodramas. Dine in style with five-course Saturday evening dinners or three-course Sunday matinee dinners 
all this while taking a train ride in a completely refurbished vintage car. For information on the dinner train, to view the entertainment calendar, and to make your reservations, visit kansasbell.com. This episode is recorded out of 712 Innovations in downtown Topeka, Kansas, the capital city. Here are a few tasting table etiquette tips and reminders. Oh yes, when approaching the tasting table, there is an etiquette to subtle and simple and following it improves everyone's experience. Here are a few guidelines. One, general tasting order. Tasting tables are set up to follow tastings left to right. Wines are set in order, starting with whites and moving on to reds. Among these, they start with the lighter and sweeter and move to the medium to heavy body and to drier wines. The reason for this? It's easier for your palate to adjust to the different tastes by progressing in this sort of order. Now, you may choose to try all wines on the table or to select what you want to taste among them. Whatever you do, taste the wines you choose from left to right. 2. Follow the pourer's lead. The person presenting the wines knows them well and may guide you through the tasting. You have option to try all the wines they are presenting or to tell the pourer the types of wines you prefer and let them make suggestions. Always let the pourer do the pouring. If they happen to step away from the table, wait patiently until they return. 3. Sip and savor. Listen to what the pourer says about the wine and what it brings to the palate. Then taste for yourself. Feel free to share your opinions and reactions. This makes the tasting an interacting experience with you and the pourer and perhaps with fellow tasters. 4. Take care at the wine bucket. Tasting tables oft have a wine bucket for pouring out wines you don't like or pouring remaining wine from your glass so you may accept the next taste. Some folks spit their unwanted wine in that bucket. So pour slowly when you discard your wine so nothing splashes back from the bucket. And if you do spit, do it more like a pour from your mouth very gently so there is no splashback and darlings when you finish the tasting thank the pourer and bid adieu to fellow tasters purchasing among the featured wine is an option not an obligation however if this is a free tasting do respect that the tasting is offered by the establishment to help you find wines that suit you and in turn you might want to buy one of the wines at the tasting or another wine from that store or make a point to return and check out their wines another time. This A Romantic in Kansas special feature series is available on the Jackie T. Detours section of my website, A Romantics Perspective, and via Jackie T. Detours on Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes, and tis available via the Wren Internet Radio website, wrendigitalmedia.com. While doing research, I heard it through the grapevine <laughs> about the Kansas wines connection to European wines, more specifically, a vines connection. Here is a phone interview with an expert who tells the interesting story behind this connection. He also elaborates on the Kansas wine regions in conjunction with United States wine regions. Listen in. Alrighty, I am here with Scott Cole, Director of the Viticulture and Enology Program at Highland Community College in Wamego. Hello, Mr. Cole. Welcome. Hi, thanks. I'm exploring Kansas wines and Kansas wine history. Um, and I have a few questions for you. I had heard there's a little known secret that the Kansas and probably the Midwest has helped the European wine regions at one point. Could you elaborate yeah. on that? Yeah, sure. Uh, no one really knows for sure the exact date this all happened, but somewhere in the mid-1800s, uh, one of the steamships going from the U.S. over to Europe had some 
potted plants or maybe it was just some dirt on someone's boots or something. But um, a lot of the soil in the Midwest has a little nematode called phylloxera uh, crawling around in it. And most of the uh, plants that are native to North America, don't uh, they're not bothered by phylloxera, no big deal. Um, but when this dirt found its way to Europe, the plant life over there did not have an immunity to phylloxera. And so uh, these little phylloxera guys started uh, getting into the soil and they found their way into a vineyard. Uh, and started eating the roots of the vines in those European vineyards. And uh, nobody really knew exactly what was going on until about 1860. They realized, oh, there's these nematodes, these vines. They pulled dead vines out of the ground and the roots were all missing. Oh, and they wow. finally figured out what was going on. Um, and so what they ended up doing was taking some uh, rootstock from the Midwest over to Europe, grafted uh, European grapevines on top of the rootstock so that everything underground where the nematodes live is now American rootstock, and the nematodes don't eat that stuff. And then everything above ground is the same old European vines that were always there, the stuff from the Burgundy region and the Rhone Valley and all those places over there. Okay, yeah, that is so interesting because, of course, we all revere the European wine regions, and it's interesting to hear that well, we help them out. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we killed their grapes. Yeah, we, we uh, inadvertently sucked it to them, I guess, and then did what we could to help them out. We yeah. hurt them, but yeah, very interesting. And what I've learned about Kansas is that they were actually one of the main wine regions in the United States before national prohibition and Kansas prohibition. Is that accurate? How is that? Yeah, it actually it is. Uh, before the grape industry really took off on the West Coast, uh, Kansas and Missouri were kind of the two leaders in the United States. I, I suspect that was due to all the uh, European settlers that came out here and started farming. They brought grapevines with them. Okay. Um, but... Uh, so they brought them here, especially the settlers in Kansas. And how is the, the Kansas climate for the grapevines that they brought? The, the nice thing about Kansas is that we have lots of sunshine and lots of wind, um, which is uh, kind of essential for grape growing. You need that wind to uh, dry out the morning dew so that there's not water inside the grape clusters forming mildew and mold and, and a, a nice place that bugs like to live. Um, and so the, the wind and, and then obviously the sunshine helps keep things kind of dry inside there as well. Um, so the, the Kansas climate is, we have lots of wind, lots of sun, which is great for the grapes. Unfortunately, we also have some pretty nasty winters, um, which kind of limits these types of grapes that grow in Kansas. And some of the stuff that typically would grow in California or in uh, around the Mediterranean region of Europe, um, they don't necessarily like our cold winters. So what the Midwestern grape growers have done is do some uh, hybridizing or some, some cross-hybriding with European varieties and native North American varieties of grapes. And the short term that we call it is uh, French-American hybrid. Okay. Um, and that's the kind of grapes that typically grow in the Midwest. Okay. What grapes thrive best in Kansas vineyards? Oh, sure. Well, uh, in Kansas, the most planted grape is a red grape called Chamberson, or sometimes uh, I think the Europeans call it Chambersine. Uh, or, or Chamberson, you know, potato, potato. Right. Uh, but that's the most planted grape in Kansas. But some others that are pretty popular uh, in Kansas and all through kind of the Midwest, north of Kansas, would be uh, Norton, which is the state grape of Missouri. Uh, Marquette is a fairly recent grape that uh, came out of the University of Minnesota breeding program. Huh. Uh, a couple of whites, Saval uh, and Vidal. Uh, Chardonnay, which is uh, its parentage, comes from Chardonnay. Um, there's lots and lots of them, but those are kind of the big ones in this neighborhood. Okay, so that is what people will see on uh, wine bottle labels for Kansas yeah. wines, most well, likely. That's, that's typically the wines in the bottle, yeah. A lot of times the labeling is uh, fancy names that help with marketing. Okay. So Kansas vintners are making a comeback, per se. Are they in competition with other regions of the country? Um, no, I would say that's uh, not the case. I mean, I think it's something that's true of all the states of the, through the Midwest, but uh, especially in Kansas, is that we're not trying to compete with the big dogs like California or Washington or Michigan or New York or any of those states that may be better known for their grapes and their uh, their wine industry. Mm -hmm. um, we're just different. We, uh, we grow different kind of grapes, so it tastes a little bit different. Right. Um, I mean, we do the same stuff. The fermentation is the same. All the chemistry is the same. It's just got different flavors. 
Okay, so Kansas has its own style of wine. Yeah. Okay, super. How many wineries are there in Kansas today that have tasting rooms for people to visit? Um, it's, it's actually been on the rise. If you go back just five or six years, there were only about a dozen. Um, and it's, it's a little bit more than triple that now. We're in the ballpark of about 40 wineries around the state right now. Great. About 40 tasting rooms. So it's definitely been growing pretty quick here this last few years. Okay, well that's great news. Any other interesting facts regarding Kansas wines that you'd like to share? Well, we talked earlier that there was a lot of grapes way back when. Um, mm-hmm. Some folks ask how many. Um, mm-hmm. In doing some research, I found that uh, Kansas kind of peaked for its highest total of acres of grapes. It was in 1895, which uh, is an awful long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we had just over 7,000 acres of grapes at that time. Today, we're not there yet. We're still around five or 600 acres right now, but we are, just like the wineries, the number of acres of grapes is also growing pretty fast. So um, we're getting there. We're not there yet, but we're sure getting there. Great. Well, that is fabulous news. Okay. Well, thank you, Scott Cole, for all this information. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, and I hope you're having a great day. Okay. Thanks very much. I enjoyed being on. Gotta love our sponsors, including... Visit Liberal. Liberal, Kansas is the official hometown of Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Here you may visit Dorothy's home and the Land of Oz open all year round. Liberal is also the home of the Mid-America Air Museum, one of the largest air museums in the United States, exhibiting an extensive collection of airplanes, helicopters, and memorabilia. In Liberal, you may also visit the Baker Arts Center, proudly known as the Cultural Oasis on the Prairie. Come for annual events, for example, the famous International Pancake Day Race or OzFest. Enjoy a fine selection of restaurants, most of them locally owned. Stay for a while, Liberal has plenty of lodging from which to choose. For more information, link to visitliberal.com You say Shambhasan I say Shambhasin Visit wines at their home. Ladies and gentlemen, every of our 50 states has vineyards and every state has at least one winery. This means wherever you are in the U.S. of A, you likely have chance to visit a local winery and taste what they have cultivated from the nearby vines. You have chance to visit a wine's home, to step on the winery property, overlook the vines, belly up in the tasting room and listen to the inspiration behind the wines you sip. And folks here in Kansas, you heard it. There are about 40 wineries in this state with tasting rooms, most of them on premises. Each of these wineries is going to have their own wines and their own style of making them. And you may experience it firsthand while on that wine's land, standing along its terroir. So make it a date. Plan on visiting a winery near you. Now, either as visiting with a group or making it a date with your darling. To visit a winery as a group, make an excursion with favorite people in your life, be they extended family, for example, or co-workers or members of your favorite club. Try each taste along the tasting table together. Discuss it among each other. Ask the poorer questions. You will learn something new about wines together and perhaps have souvenirs of the experience by taking home wines you like to open later. Or visit a winery as a date. Fellas, make it an official date. Invite your darling to join you in visiting a winery. Take her to the tasting room, savor the tastings together, and gift her with one of her favorite wine selections. However the date goes, she will remember you with fondness later when she opens that wine. If you're not sure where are wineries in your area, use your favorite search engine to find one. The search is as simple as winery near boom and fill in the blank with your town or region. Visiting a wine's home makes a memorable experience for you and those with whom you share it.
There's a season for everything and seasons in enjoying wine. I visit with a wine aficionado over the phone about enjoying wines in the summer. By the by, he's on the train during this conversation, so you might hear the train in the background. I am here with Adam Teeter, CEO at VinePair.com. Hello, Mr. Teeter. How are you? Good. How about you? Very fine, thank you. I have a few questions for you regarding summer wine, since we are coming fast into summertime. Okay, first of all, what is VinePair.com? We are the largest publication about wine, beer, and cocktails in the United States. Okay, wonderful. Ready to talk about summer wine? Sure, happy to. All right. It's getting hot out there. What are tips for enjoying wines on our porches, in our patios, and on picnics? Is it the season to chill our wines? Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of chilled wine. Okay. I think chilled wines are amazing. Okay. And then how much do you need to chill? A little or a lot? Or does it vary among different types of wines? So, you know, I mean, the general rule I have is if you're going to drink white uh, and you're going to have it outside, a really good move is to keep it in the fridge for two to three hours before you pull it out. And then uh, also keep it on ice or keep it in a nice wine bucket or you know another contraption you may have purchased in order to keep the wine cold uh, and refreshing but i'm also a big one of chilling reds especially light reds so reds that are high in acidity like uh, pinot noirs and gamays and those i would put in the refrigerator for about 30 to 45 minutes before you're going to drink them then pop them out and they're perfect Okay, great. Let's say I got my wine from the store and the bottle is room temperature and I want to get it chilled as fast as possible. Are there any tricks to that? Yeah, there's actually a great trick. So what you do is you take a paper towel and you get it wet or damp and you wrap it around the bottle and then you throw the bottle in the freezer and in 15 to 20 minutes it should be perfectly chilled. Oh, great. Okay. and. I really appreciate wines that stand alone and have their own savor. And that said, it's it's summertime, so um, are there some special wine cocktail recipes that you have for kind of zipping up your wine for the summer? The only cocktail of wine that I really enjoy a lot is the wine spritz, and that's a mix of, you know, either white wine with sparkling water and some fruit, whether that's, you know, if you have a nice Pinot Grigio or Sauvignon Blanc, maybe there's some citrus, maybe there's some pineapple, etc. Or you can use sparkling wine and mix sparkling wine with a bitter liqueur like Aperol or Capoletti and make a spritz that way. Um, those are really nice, low alcohol. You're able to drink them over ice and you can you know, drink a lot of them over the course of the day, which is great. Yeah, and that's simple. That simplicity is elegance, and that's a really simple yep. way to uh, have wine in the summer. Okay, so exactly. any other tips, uh, ideas for enjoying your wine in the summer? Yeah, I would just say don't take anything too seriously. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, drink what you like when you want to drink it. Um, don't be afraid to try things. So whether that's chilling a red to make it more uh, palatable in the summer heat, or Know, trying a new white that you may have tried before, just take risks and have a great time with wine this summer. Okay, that sounds great. Now, if people want to peek at Vine Pear, they need to go to vinepear.com? Yeah, you can you know, sign up to our email newsletter and you can read everything at vinepear.com. Okay, super. Well, thanks. Those are fabulous tips for enjoying our summer wine. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Shambasan, Shambasin. It behooves me to mention this word, viticulture. The word origin joins two Latin words. They are vitis, that means vine, and cultura, that means cultivation or agriculture. So, in a sense, viticulture is vine agriculture. Now, this refers to the part of the agriculture definition that is, quote, the science, art, or occupation concerned with cultivating land and raising crops. Yet viticulture is specifically the cultivation of grapes, especially for use in making wine. 
Viticulture is definitely a wine growers and winemakers' occupation. They might have different opinions regarding whether they consider it a science or an art. This and other fun word entries may be found on my website, aromanticsperspective.com, linked to Love for Words and Featured Words. Gotta love our sponsors, including Wheat State Wine Company. Wheat State Wine Company in South Central Kansas offers engaging wines in a variety of selections to accommodate your taste. Try white wines like their Dandy Horse Vidal Blanc, red wines like their Ad Astra, a Chambersin and Norton Grape Blend, or their Red Bud Rosé. Wheat State is open weekends year-round for wine tastings and tours of the winery and vineyard. During warm weather seasons, Wheat State hosts a scheduled outdoor Uncork the Music series. Select your favorite wine at the winery, ask for it at your favorite wine shop, or order online. For detailed information, visit WheatStateWineCo.com. A Kansas Fact Moment How many listeners know what is the Kansas State motto? If you do, answer out loud in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Tis ad astra per aspera. That's Latin for to the stars through difficulties. Was adopted in 1861 as the state motto, and that same year the phrase was incorporated into the state seal. The phrase had been adopted by John James Ingalls, a man from Massachusetts who moved to Atchison, Kansas, and fast became known as a respected lawyer, scholar, and orator. In 1861, he served as Secretary of State. He wrote that the aspiration of Kansas is to reach the unattainable. Its dream is the realization of the impossible. The state seal, with ad astra per aspra inscribed in a ribbon at top, was incorporated to center the state flag. The motto canopies artist images that include a wagon train heading west, a settler's cabin, and a man plowing a field, native Indians hunting bison, Per this image, Ad Astra per Aspera frames the spirit of pioneers who paved way across Kansas territory, of homesteaders who broke ground for farms, and of Native Americans who took rhythm with the land. Ad Astra per Aspera resonates to today. Throughout the years, many Kansans identified, including settlers during the Civil War era who fought for a free state against slavery, and over the years, cowboys and winemakers, and newcomers who arrived here carrying their own dream. I identify to the stars through difficulties. Ad Astra per Aspra. Wheat State Wine Company has a wine named for the state motto. Owner and winemaker Chris Tyler tells us a little bit about it here. Ad Astra is our dessert wine and mm -hmm. it's an award winning wine as well. Oh, nice. Back in, I would say, well, let's just say maybe five years ago. Okay. So, <laughs> right around five years ago, at the Kansas Grape Growers and Makers Conference, they started this new wine tasting called the Taste of Kansas. And at the time, what it was, kind of like a user's choice award, uh, everybody that went there would get a tasting sheet, and there was a dozen different wineries pouring over 50 different wines, and everybody voted on their favorite. And then they turned in the ballots, and then they tallied them, and they gave out the awards the next day. And so... Ad Astra was our dessert wine, which was made from Norton grapes that year. It's about 18% alcohol, so you can taste the easy alcohol, and then about 8% sugar. And it's been aged in some Norton wine that was a couple years old, so it has oxidized a little bit, which is actually a good characteristic in dessert wine, not in your normal table drinking wine. Mm -hmm. And when they tallied all the votes, Ad Astra was one for the Kansas wine of the year that year, which is wow. pretty cool. Yeah. And then Ad Astra is part of the state slogan, Ad Astra per Aspera, uh, mm -hmm. to the stars through difficulty. So the Ad Astra is the to the stars part. 
Here's an historical fun fact, if you will, that roots grapevines to Kansas from the beginnings. Back in the 1850s, as Kansas formed an official territory, there was excitement about growing fruit crops because of the warm, dry weather of the summer season, which is perfect for grapes. A Kansas State Horticultural Society was formed in 1869 and was the oldest agricultural foundation in Kansas. Its seal shown a representative goddess of the bounty standing among her horticultural riches that were reaped from crops and holding a cornucopia rife with grapes. So from early on, grapes were celebrated as part of Kansas crops to be cultivated. Wine is a romantic part of life. It prompts a pause to savor the wine at hand and the environment around you. Whether you're at a picnic, for example, or an intimate dinner, whether you're alone having a personal respite or celebrating tradition with family, wine merits attention and you could easily be a wine aficionado or wine aficionada by paying attention to wines and exploring wines to find the ones that suit you and while you're at it give kansas wines a taste champasan champasin Darling, let's just have a toast. We're rounding to a close of this episode. Thank you, darlings, for joining me in celebrating Wines in Kansas. This concludes the Volume 1 portion of the A Romantic in Kansas Special Features series. Coming soon, Volume 2 will open with more to explore. Stay tuned via the Jackie T. Detours menu on my website, aromanticsperspective.com, or via Apple Podcasts on your mobile phone or device. Search for Jackie T. Detours and subscribe. Meanwhile, savor the moments of your life and remember, stay romantic. <laughs> <laughs>